Might have heard of Reed Hoffman. He's a legendary Silicon Valley investor and entrepreneur. He co-founded LinkedIn. Everybody in text goes to him for advice on how to make something huge. He's got a new podcast. It's called Masters of Scale. In each show, Reed talks to famous founders about what really happens as companies grow from zero to a gazillion. You don't even know how many zeros that is. Check out this roster of people that he talks to, famous founders like Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Brian Chesky of Airbnb, Reed Hastings of Netflix, Sarah Blakely of Spanx. These are heavy hitters. You can really learn a lot. Stories you'll hear on Masters of Scale. Always honest, always useful, and also funny, okay? There's no jargon, no posturing. Get to soak up a lot of info in an entertaining, laid-back way. Subscribe to Masters of Scale on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you love to listen. Hello to all my 80s movie party people. It's beautiful, anonymous, one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun And I'll get to know you And you'll get to know me Hey everybody, it's your friend Chris Gethard Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous Feel so lucky to be a part of this thing Just wanted to say quick thanks to everybody who supported Career Suicide It went up on HBO on Saturday It's on the streaming uh, platforms now Quick plug um, for this big thing in my life But I want to just give a genuine thank you because uh, the, the feedback to it was so positive online and you do not expect that from the internet. As an enta- entertainer, you learn to brace yourself and making myself as vulnerable as I did with that thing, I was expecting some harsh stuff. There's only a handful of mean comments. So many of them were nice and I know for a fact that's because the beautiful Anonymous fans are out there leading the charge on that. And I just can't say thank you enough for supporting this podcast and the rest of my work and also just... Uh, being kind and promoting kindness and being outward with that kindness. Um, it, I, I can't, I just really can't thank you enough. Uh, very genuinely. Big news. The tour is finally happening. We're doing a series of uh, tapings, live, beautiful, anonymous on the road. And they're coming soon. And uh, we're going to go to a whole bunch of cities. I want to tour this thing all over the place. If I'm not coming to your area of the world just yet, your area of the U.S. just yet, I'm going to get there down the line. Anytime I'm not I'm not in the thick of it with other TV and stuff that has to anchor me to New York, I'll be there. In the meantime, tour starts May 30th. We're going to Vancouver, Canada, May 31st in Seattle, June 1st in Portland, Oregon, June 2nd, San Francisco, California. It's part of the Colossal Cluster Fest. You do have to buy a festival pass for those. Um, the rest of these, it's not the case. Chicago on June 6th. Now, Chicago is one of the cities we're doing two shows, early show live podcast taping, late show live stand-up. You can also buy a combo ticket to both. Check that out. Ferndale, Michigan on the 7th, live podcast taping. Toronto on the 8th. Philadelphia on the 9th. That one's going to be a big show. Love Philly. Cross paths with Philly in the past, but I'm willing to admit it. I was wrong. Philly is one of the great art towns on the East Coast now. And I uh, cannot wait to see Philly. Arlington, Virginia on June 10th. Two shows there. Early show podcast, late show stand-up, buy a combo ticket, come out to both. Baltimore, two shows on the 11th of June. Early show podcast, late show stand-up, you get it. Asbury Park, New Jersey, my home state. We're finishing things off June 13th. Two shows, buy that combo ticket, hang out for the whole night. I can't wait to meet fans of the show. Be there. And uh, hang out with you guys face-to-face, be able to thank you for so much. So thank you. Can't wait to see you guys out there on the road. ChrisGeth.com. You can get tickets for all those right now. Go to ChrisGeth.com. Buy those tickets up. They're going to sell out, so get them quick. 
They're already moving because all the online people who heard about it before it was actually mentioned on the show. So get those tickets right now. Now, last week's episode, our teenage caller, I loved that one so much. A lot of people said it was a really good look at a teenager's life. And and some other teenagers were posting online. Kyle in the Facebook group, he was like, hey, I'm a teenager too. I'm going to break it down from my perspective how things were. I thought that was so cool, Kyle. Thank you for being such an active member of the group. Now, this week's episode is a real cool one. When this one came in, I was like, whoa. I was not expecting it. A lot of us right now, a lot of people on all ends of the political spectrum in America, I think, are trying to get active, trying to actually affect change. And, uh, you know, everybody knows when you listen, I'm from New York City, I'm an artist, very progressive. I see the protests happening, participating in things that appeal to me. You also see people in other, other areas, other lifestyles who very actively going at their thing. But I think a lot of us would agree. A lot of this activism, a lot of people just comes down to like, oh, I'm going to go on Facebook and just say stuff. I'm going to go preach to the choir. I'm going to create this echo chamber online, just say things. Today's caller wanted to affect change in the world, stepped up, studied, worked hard, is now filling one of the actual roles in our society here in America that has actual on the ground ability to change, affect people's lives tells us what it's like to be on the inside of the legal system in a very specific way, tells us why she chose to do that. And at the end also gives us some advice on maybe how to deal with some legal things. Again, not 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 actual legal advice that she can be held to, just her opinions on how this stuff works, the inner workings of a system that we all see, that we all know. And it was it was really fascinating and I, I thank her. Uh, you know, it's a some people have been saying lately, some of the episodes are conversational. Some of them are a little bit more like agenda driven. This one has that agenda vibe. I will not apologize for that. By the way, people call in. They want a platform now. They know this show is that with a legit platform. They say what they have to say. She tells us about her life, why she was driven to do the things she is. She's cool, fascinating, trying to make change, positive change in this world. And I thank her for it. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hey, you are Chris. Yeah, yeah, I am. You really switched it up from the traditional high. Is this Chris? <laughs> well, I figure if I can't tell you my name, I should probably figure something else out. Yes, you can't tell me your name, but you did inform me of my name. I did, just in case you have forgotten. It's fine. Well, it is funny. No one in my life, only beautiful anonymous listeners even call me Chris. It's a very funny thing. My wife calls me. Do you me go by Chris? Everybody calls me Geth. Everybody calls me Gethard or Geth. Um, Everybody does my last name. I guess that works too. Works yeah. Too. Pretty much all my friends in real life call to... me Geth. The Chris Gethard show fans call me Geth. But the beautiful anonymous fans call me Chris. Makes me feel like a grown up. It's cool. Oh. Well, Maybe I have to be honest. Part of that's probably because I actually had never heard of the Chris Gethard show. Yeah, I get this a lot. Until, yeah, I'm sorry. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just how it goes. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. Anyways, how are, you, how are you doing over in New York? How am I doing over in New York? I always answer honestly. I'll be honest, pretty stressed out lately, all for good reasons. Um, but yeah, stressed out. That's the honest. That's the that's honest fair. answer. That's I, fair. No, I appreciate the honest answer. I think that we ask each other too often, "How you doing?" and just expect the good and walk by. And I really appreciate the intentionality of people who actually want to know the answer. Thank you. The intentionality. You're a very smart person. These <laughs> words like intentionality. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes I try and fake it. You know. 
Really? Because you just nailed it, yeah. like super casual conversation-wise. <laughs> well, good. Well, it's in my job description to know and learn things quickly. I'm a defense attorney. Um, wow. And so I meet people um, quite often and have to get to the bottom of uh, a lot of things that are going on in their life, but also earn their trust faster than um, faster than that so that they're even willing to tell me some of the hardest stuff that they're going through in life. Wow. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a cool job. It's, I'm glad I get to talk to you. It's a pretty sweet gig. Um, I actually was sure that I was not going to be an attorney um, and went into college thinking that I wanted to do politics. I love that campaign. Um, and did a little bit of that, um, helped out like local politicians, did a little work for a U.S. congresswoman um, when I was in college, and then was very distraught by like the lack of intelligence. That sounds harsh, but like these people are smart and they're not using the intelligence that they actually have um, to do good things. And I thought that that was really irritating. So I said, okay, well, I'll go and study the law and be smarter than these people. Um, wow. Instead. So you tried to enter um, politics and t- to change the world. You're, you're, you're an ambitious person who wants to make, make it a better place. Felt like politics was a, br- <laughs> a broken world. So you're now navigating the system of the law to try to uh, affect some change in the world around you. That's true. And uh, part of being a defense attorney slash I'm a public defender. And so uh, part of that job is just being destroyed by the system every day. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't win a lot, um, but wow. you still got to get up and and help out. You're a public defender. I have one of my best friends, um, is a public defender guy I went to college with. No way. Yeah, in 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 uh in New York, and he has told me some oh, stories. Wow. And it, yeah, he's told me some stories. It can sound brutal. I know. When, I, I'm not sure. I haven't caught up with him in a while about his job. You know, I think. You know, him being friends with a comedian, I get the sense maybe sometimes I am a good outlet for him to talk about anything but his his job. Um, mm, yeah. But I remember in his early days, he handled a lot of like parole, parole violations. It sounded so brutal because that sounds like it sounds like the system is so hard to navigate that it's it seems like once you're in the sense I get and you tell me sense I get is that like once yeah. you have broken a law and been convicted the system is so hard to navigate. He made it sound to me like there's so many ways to like break the law again that you won't even, you're not even aware you're doing it. And that he had to have a lot of tough conversations with people about the intricacies of laws that it's completely ludicrous that an average human being would even know the ins and outs of. Yeah. And, and I think that that's incredible. That's so true. And I can't even, I mean, I, I won't tell you where I'm at, but um, I'm in a city not as big as New York, but the biggest, city and the state that I live in. And so we handle a shit ton of cases. Um, but it's interesting to see how many people return to court, not necessarily because they're charged with a new crime, but because they have a probation violation. Yeah. And there's like two different classifications. There's essentially like what I would call like a real violation. Like you have a new charge or like you um, have done actual damage. And then there's technical violations. And I just thought, Ooh, I'm going to put this out there and people are going to get mad. But, um, I just read an article that like 600,000 people who are held by the U S government in the department of corrections are there because of technical violations, 
now I could have misquoted that entire thing. So sorry, all the people um, or nobody if this doesn't air, which is fine too. But <laughs> there's like a shit ton of people regardless. <laughs> um, and that's just in like the federal system. Um, wow. In state systems, there are a plethora of other people who are being held just on technical violations. So like you didn't meet with your probation officer because your probation officer changed the time of your meeting the day before and you couldn't change your work schedule because you're a person and you have three different jobs because you're poor and you're trying to make ends meet and put food on the table for your six kids and you couldn't do it. And so you got violated and brought in custody and then you lost two of those jobs, you know? Yeah. And so then it's, it's stupid. And like people can be on probation for forever. Um, the state that I live in, there's something called um, lifetime probation, which is, I think, a worse punishment than than sometimes even going to jail because the rules that probation subject you to are rough. They're rough. That's crazy. But anyways, this is my happy life. <laughs> well, you're fighting a good fight. You're trying to do some good. And that's, you know, that's more than most of us do. There's been so many times in my life where I've thought about, I should go and try to actually do something hands-on to help people. And I don't because I'm scared and I'm lazy and all the other things that we all are. And you're someone who's actually crossed that. So I, I, on behalf of all of us, I thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. I think that I have to fight a lot more to tell people like, you know, the first question when somebody finds out that you're a defense attorney is like, well, how could you defend guilty people? Um, and it's difficult because I love my clients. Like sometimes I am on the phone with them forever and they're yelling at me. Sometimes they're yelling at me in court, which is neat because there's a whole bunch of other people watching. Um, sometimes they give me like fist bumps and hugs when I leave court because they're happy. Um, and anything in between that. But I think like we have to remember that everyone who enters the court system is alleged to have done something. And there's a lot of my clients who like just have to plead guilty to get out of jail. And there's just some people who like are in really shitty situations and like can't afford food. Like, yes, there are people who murder other people and rape other people. And like, yes, those people should be adjudicated. However, let's make sure that police are doing their job also. And not just like throwing people on the ground. Because you read a police report and it's like, I gently escorted Mr. So-and-so to the hood of my car. And you get the squad video. And let me tell you, the difference in gently escorting somebody to the hood of your car and violently slamming them on the ground, people interpret that differently. Wow. So you're really, uh, it's what an interesting place for you to be in. Cause we're, we're right now the past few years in particular, there has been a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of videos that show up of, of police, um, mm. you know, police operating in ways that people yeah. are questioning. You're someone who's like day to day. That's a part of your life. You're seeing, you're seeing how the actual yeah. justice system works. And you're saying that from your opinion, being on the ground, it's kind of screwed up. <laughs> Yeah. And yes, I will 100% say that there are officers who do the right thing. I've seen officers like wipe, <laughs> wipe clients' eyes if they're crying. Like there are good, good people out there. Um, there are good officers out there. But I think it's really important to continue to videotape them um, because we have a right to do that. But also because 
there are a lot of times where straight up officers will just lie in their report. And like you, you, I don't understand why they do that because it's my job to watch the video. It's my job to read the report. And then, then if I walk up to the prosecutor and say, Hey, I don't really understand how these two things can be like together. They're not the same thing that happened. What the hell's wrong with your officer? Um, then I'm still at a disadvantage if my client has like four other cases and this one just gets dismissed um, for a better resolution, but that officer gets to walk away and still do the same thing the next day. Right. If that makes sense. So there's times where you see misconduct <clears throat> that can help your client, but it doesn't, it doesn't automatically trigger anything that will change that happening again in the future. Correct. Because if, because if my client is pleading guilty to another case, like let's say the, the client has two cases on the calendar that day and the evidence is terrible for that officer on one of the cases, but the, the prosecutor says, well, if you plead to the other one, then this one just goes away. Then like, that's good for the client because it means only one conviction, but you also have to explain to the client, like, I know that the officers like screwed you. I get it. Let's like figure out how we can make like a civil complaint, even though that's a little bit out of my job purview. Um, but this is a good deal for you because it does mean less jail time because it does mean that you don't have to do anything else. It means you don't have to do programming, but it does mean that you like have to sit there and take it that you were just like assaulted by this officer for no reason. Jeez. Yeah. Which, which is like why I totally understand and like listen when clients just like need to yell too, because nobody's listening. Yeah. You must, uh, you must get sh stressed out a lot of the time, huh? <laughs> um, I, I do, but I actually am very grateful. I've never been, um, like necessarily anxious. I sleep through the night almost every night. Um, it's just been recently. So this week, um, I had a contested hearing set that I had prepped for, um, so essentially I was challenging whether or not the officer should have stopped my client and whether or not the officer should have um, seized the vehicle that um, she was driving and then searched it, which is where he found evidence and contraband and illegal things. Um, so I had prepped for that and then client never showed up. So warrant issued and then all that work is prepared for the next person who's going to do it. And then today I actually had a trial set um, that I actually thought was going to go, um, but it did not. And so those things, those two things back to back, um, I was a little bit, a little bit stressed out this week. Yeah. If I had your job, I feel like I'd go home every night. I feel like I would just like, uh, like I would, I would have like a bunch of glass objects waiting in my house so I could just go home and just like smash them <laughs> with a hammer just to get all the stress out. You ever do that? You ever like just take like a, you ever just like buy a lacrosse ball and throw it through a window and, and just call the window guy and have him on retainer? <laughs> that seems a little destructive. Hey, I'm um, a punk rocker. But I support you. <laughs> what can I say? I'm yes, a punk rock yes. kid. I heard the new, um, the new hold music. It comes across, you know. You like that for anybody listening? No. A lot of complaints about our hold music being a little too grim. And it's, uh, apparently it's, uh, I never heard it. Apparently it sounded a lot like funeral music. 
So we now have a new playlist that I DJ, and it features my wife's band, yeah. a bunch of my friends' bands. Yeah, which is, you know, nice. I mean, I'm not into, like, the punk rock life nor music. Um, <laughs> that wasn't my era. I'm pretty young, so not, yeah. not, really, not really my style. But, That's hey, okay. I support. But, no, I don't break things. Okay. Well, we're different well, that way. I would be smashing things. everything all the time, <laughs> all these frustrations. So how does this work too? So yeah. you're young. You came in from, you know, having a political background. It's fair to say it sounds like you have a little bit of an agenda of I want to help. I, there's a certain system in place that I, th- I think is unfair. I'm doing, you know, you have gotten in the trenches to do your part to, wow, there's a really jolly public defender somewhere in your office, huh? <laughs> um, so I'm in my office and the door is closed. Yeah. Uh, this is not a typical. Normally, my door is open. I just figured that this would be much better for <laughs> you and the sound folk. Um, but let me tell you, sometimes people come back from court and they're just like, "This fucking judge! I can't believe what they did. They just..." And you're just like, "Okay, everyone, wow. chill." Who knew? Who knew and that? It's really, it gets really complicated because there are people in my office who are married uh-huh. to, which is pretty typical. But, um, like, married to prosecutors who are total, like, douchebags that people yell about or, like, judges <laughs> who have done something. And so then you're like, um, maybe maybe just because uh, they're married to so-and-so whose office, like, two, two doors down. Right. It's funny. I was just going to ask, like, are there – I would have to imagine, are there prosecutors or judges that know you as, like, the young idealist who roll their eyes and stuff? And, like, is that your rap? And- <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, so hmm, a couple weeks ago, I was arguing this motion um, that would affect more than just my client, which is pretty uh, irregular. Most of the time, you just argue a motion for your client and your client alone. But this was going to be, this was going to affect more than just my client. So I knew I had to like actually prepare more broad policy arguments. And I was making constitutional claims. Um, And so when I was, prepping all of that. Uh, and I like brought my rule book and I brought all of this, uh, all this argument that I had created with like this three prong argument and, uh, like all of these studies and like statistics. And I just like set it down on council table. And it's like in this courtroom where there's a whole bunch of stuff going on all at once. I'm not the only case on. And so I just like set everything down and it's a judge that I had never appeared in front of. And I just like start arguing (laughs) and I'm just like, if anybody's going to listen to me, they're going to listen to me today. And I felt extremely passionate about this because essentially my client was following the rules of his conditional release because we were between when he was charged and released out of custody and like the next hearing. And he couldn't afford to be on like a monitoring during that time. And so he was just going to get, brought into jail because he couldn't afford it, not because he wasn't following the rules, which is a constitutional violation, fun fact. Um, but <laughs> the judge interrupted me and then let the, the prosecutor argue. And then I um, asked to respond and he gave me a little bit of space to do that. And then he ruled against me and I turned around and one of my colleagues was like, mm, I thought that uh, your eyes were like, we're going to melt a block of ice because you were so pissed. Um, and then I found out that he was actually going to get revoked and he was going to get brought into jail. And then, um, I asked for it to be heard again the next day. And it was after like some argument 
Um, and I won and I was stoked about it, but now our office is implementing a policy, but I actually ran across another judge to answer your original question. Also fun fact, lawyers tend to talk a lot in circles. Mm-hmm. You hadn't noticed. And so another judge came up to me, um, when I was in the courthouse about to go into court and, um, he was like, Hey, um, I saw that you won and I saw that you got it back on the calendar. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. And so he definitely knew that I was prepared and like was arguing and like, wasn't going to let this go. Um, so I guess I have a little bit of, um, reputation, but it is difficult to, to do because a lot of the time you're focused on just the one client and what you can do for them. And sometimes the best option for them isn't necessarily like the greater policy goal that I would, that I personally selfishly would like to implement. Right. But there's definitely times. So you're, there's times where you're working with a client and it comes up that it's going to be a certain judge or a certain prosecutor. And you just have to look at the client and be like, ah, we're (laughs) fucked. Right. Like, sorry, Sally for that one. But there's gotta be certain people where you're (laughs) like, this person's just mean, this person's just mean and kind of cheats and I know who they are. Yep. There's actually one prosecutor who loudly in the middle of court, um, called me petty and pedantic. Ooh, um, pedantic's one of those like words I've never really known the meaning for. of. I've never known the meaning of pedantic, but I know it ain't good. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing. Like you're very just like focused on these details that don't matter. Wow. He's telling you yeah. grow up a little bit. And I was like, look, you asshat. Stop studying your freaking like flashcards for your other volunteer situation. Just stop. Did you really use the word asshat in, in court? You've got to admire someone who can use the words pedantic and asshat in the same conversation. That's really a, it's really an impressive skill and quality. I need a moment to think about that, that wide breadth of vocabulary. You know what I think is a great way for me to take a moment is for us to hear from advertisers. we got advertisers. They help us bring this show to you for free. They have products. They have services. There's promo codes. Use them. Help your life. Help the show. Check them out, and we'll be right back. I'm a very public person about the fact that I have been participating in therapy for well over a decade of my life. Big, big fan of therapy. Very happy to tell you about our next sponsor. Look, we all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves, right? Taking care of mental health, that is no exception at all. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can send your therapist text, audio, video messages whenever you want. You can even do a live video chat that's very modern. That access is a very cool thing. If you want to vent about work or family, you need to talk through something that's been on your mind, it is no problem. That's what a therapist is for, ready to help. It's a person who is there for you so you can get all your rambling thoughts out of your head. Somebody's there to listen to them, help you sort them out. That's what you need. Big thumbs up. You want to sign up, learn more, go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. There's a special offer for our listeners. You can use the coupon code beautiful to get $30 off your first month. Show your support for the podcast. That is code beautiful. Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. Listen, everybody, you're out there. Get into your routines, right? You get up, you go to work. Maybe things are getting routine. Maybe things are getting routine in the bedroom. I don't know. It happens. Happens to the best of us. You want to spice things up though, right? Maybe you've been fantasizing. You want to surprise your lover. Something new, something adventurous, maybe a toy, movie. Go to adamandeve.com. Limited time only. You get 50% off 
just about any item. That is not all. No, 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 no. You select your one free item at 50% off, you will receive three free adult DVDs on inspiration. Okay, spice things up for real. Three DVDs, find out exactly what you and your lover like, plus a free extra gift. So sensual, can't even mention it on the radio. I refuse. I refuse to be responsible for that level of sensuality. It's a, I wield a very powerful platform here. My voice reaches all of you guys right in your ears, and I don't want your heads to explode when you see just how sensual I can get. Also, they throw in free shipping on your entire order. That's really great. Not kidding about that. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. You get 50% off one item when you type stories for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you get three free DVDs and a free extra gift and free shipping. Use that offer code stories at adamandeve.com. That is S-T-O-R-I-E-S at adamandeve.com. Thanks so much to all the sponsors who make Beautiful Anonymous happen. Very excited to hear more about the inner workings of our American justice system. Let's get back to the phone call. Did you really use the word asshat in, in court? No, I, I didn't. No, I kept my shit together, and I didn't say anything to him. And I said, we're done. And then I got up and taught, like went over to where my client was. And slash my client was in custody. Um, so he was like in the box in the courtroom. So like I couldn't like physically be next to him. Um, and so I like was whispering to him. Um, so we weren't technically being recorded and gave him the spiel and then we moved on. And I, yeah, so I didn't like talk to the prosecutor about it necessarily. I just said, we're done. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I call him an asset behind, behind his back. Yeah, no, I've picked up on that. I can. Yeah, I pick, I'm getting the sense that I was asking you if there's like any things you do to like unleash your stress, and I'm getting the sense this phone call mm. may be one of those things. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I also uh, have a personal trainer at in the way early hours of the morning. That is super great to just like be awake and be energized. So you're telling and me be happy. You're telling me you wake up. First thing in the morning, you personal train. You have somebody push you to your physical limits. Then you crack your knuckles. You walk into the courtroom and you get in fights with prosecutors all day because you're trying to take down the system. <laughs> yep, that's my life. Wow, that's cool. Here's something I'll say yeah. too that you might know more of than I do. Here's the thing that concerns me when you say that like this system is built in a way where, you know, um, you know, parole laws can just keep people in this loop of of having to keep going back to prison, keep having to navigate the courts. Hearing that there's, you've read, you know, you said yourself, you're not certain this is true, but you just read there's 600,000 people kind of just floating in the federal system in this purgatory where they're not committing crimes. It's just that the lifespan of the crimes they have committed just won't ever actually die out. The thing that bothers me, you know what, the more I read about it, the more it just grosses me out is there's actually something that I don't think everybody like reads into because maybe it's a truth we don't want to face is there's actually a lot of people who make a ton of money off of people getting imprisoned. Not the government. Oh, yep. There are people. Oh, no, private companies. There are pri- there are people who are making millions of dollars off of prisoners yep. staying in prison. And it's really, the more, I've read just a, a tiny amount about it, but the, you read even a little bit and you're like, whoa, there are people who have built, you know, there are people who are paying it's for disgusting. their mansions, hoping mm-hmm. that laws remain sort of like uh, indecipherable and and outdated so that people there's a financial interest for 
poor people to go to prison so rich people can get richer. And it's nuts. Yep. And that's not me trying, that's not me um, being some progressive idealist. It's just a fact. There's people get rich off of poor people going to prison. Yes, it is fact. I mean, even like from anything between um, the food that goes into prison to the calls, like the the phone companies um, that have the phones in prison. So like, let's say that you have um, a, an inmate, brother. Mm, sorry, you actually have a brother. Let's make a, a sister for no, you. I would, let's imagine that um, my brother Greg is a hardened inmate. I would love that. I think he would love that too. My brother Greg, aka the Gregulator. Let's imagine that the world Okay. Let's imagine let's imagine that he's busted. What what's a crime? What's like what's one of the common crimes that you see come across your desk? Well, so I am in gross misdemeanor and misdemeanor crimes, and so there's a lot of like trespass uh-huh. mm-hmm. crimes or theft crimes. Okay. Um, you wouldn't necessarily go to like federal prison forever, but if, if he happened to like come across my desk and I worked in the federal system, um, he, if he was convicted, the thing with federal prison is that he can be sent to any federal prison in America. Right. And, and so the judge, like the federal judge doesn't get to decide the department of corrections. I forget they have some name. Um, they get to figure out where he's going to go, depending upon space, depending upon the security level. And so let's say that he is now in prison in in Arizona. That's not close to you or your family. The only way that you can have contact with him, plus the only way that he can have contact really with the outside world, with his family, with people who are going to help him rehabilitate is if he calls them because you can't fly that far that often. Um, And it costs so much money for you to take the call from prison. That so that costs more than a regular to, collect call. Yes, yes, like like six times as much to it is insane. It is insane. Um, and so like even from those companies that just charge people like and they don't charge the inmate, they charge the family of the inmate who haven't done anything wrong. That's to that's take the call. Not cool. And no, and the people who do like uh, if if you are sent on electronic home monitoring or like some kind of like bracelet GPS monitoring. Those companies make a crap ton of money and the um, defendants are the ones who have to pay to be on, be on that monitoring like per day. Really? You can get a fee waiver depending upon if you're, mm-hmm, if you're like public oh. defender eligible or not. I thought it was, um, the, I thought like it was just companies that could get like hefty government contracts. And I'm sure there's a lot of that, but you're saying there's actually a lot of stuff that like, the inmate and their family have to pay for, or else they go back to prison. Yeah, or if, so help you if you get a DWI, you are going to be paying for programming, and that could be like six hundred bucks. If you get a charge with some kind of license revocation, you've got to pay to put your license back in. Oh, so help you if you get arrested by a cop who's pissed off and just like throws your license like in the middle of a field, and then you have to get a new license. Bummer. Um, and like. My biggest thing, so I um, grew up in California, and California has the three strikes laws, and you should see and research how much money the people, like the, the actual prisons and the corporations who own the prisons, um, spent on lobbying to get three strikes to be a thing. Because essentially the rule is, like, if you have three of these particular qualified felonies, then you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life, which means that they get paid. Right. So inmates, and so, the, 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 maybe the people okay. who are cynical about the prison system might say that 
the three strikes in for life means that someone effectively just became like a human cash machine for a bunch of lobby- yes. a bunch of lobbyists and the people they represent. Yeah. Wow. I would recommend watching the um, Netflix documentary Thirteenth. Thirteenth. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. It gonna they get do me- really good research. Yeah, I gotta say, there's so much. I think there's so much. Is it thirteen or thirteenth? Thirteenth, like the Thirteenth Amendment. Okay. It's essentially making a parallel between um, slavery and the incarceration of uh, individuals. Yeah, it is. It because also uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Felons can't ever vote again, right? Ah, it depends upon the state. Actually, in Vermont, um, if you are in prison um, as a felon, they do allow you to vote. I mean, it's either New Hampshire or Vermont, but I'm pretty sure it's Vermont. Um, they let you vote if you're in prison. But there are some states that even once you're done with probation, if you are a felon, you're not allowed to vote still. There are some people, there are some states that say if you um, are still on probation or parole, you're not allowed to vote. But once you get off, you can get those rights reinstated. Uh huh. And if I may ask, is there any correlation between um, the strictness of those laws and areas of the country that maybe, you know, just to cut to the quick, Every time I've heard that, that there's places where felons can never vote again, I also have always heard that maybe those are things that target the black community way more than any other community yeah. in a way that's just so clearly, to me, rooted in like we Racist? haven't. Yeah, and also just like we, we, like we, just keep, we just keep finding ways to not actually move forward from a lot of dark shit. And it's not... It's just not. Yeah. It's just not okay. It's just not okay. It isn't. It isn't, it isn't. okay. And it's, I mean, now it's essentially like we're not necessarily hating. Well, uh, arguably, quote unquote, we're not necessarily hating black people or African American people or Mexican people or Hispanic people. We're hating the criminals. But right. if if those particular races or ethnicities um, are overrepresented in the criminal justice system, then we are effectively saying that we're still keeping them down. Because if you, um, like, depending upon your charges, like you get your license, um, like your uh, occupation license taken away, you're not allowed to live in government subsidized housing, like you, you can't get loans to go to college for certain things. So like, we're essentially stripping you of not only your rights, but also opportunity to pick yourself up and keep going. Once you've completed all the shit that we've said you have to complete. Yeah. You're gonna stay. You 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 maybe made one mistake in your life, and that one mistake might dictate the fact that you have to stay poor and put upon and confused and um, scared right. scared literally for the rest of your life. Yeah, and here's the tricky thing: is that it's not just that you made a mistake; it's that you were caught making that mistake. When let's talk about how many white people printed like I'm this. Well, can I say this? I'm this like white, young, blonde girl walking around trying to gain rapport with my clients. And like, I often talk to my clients about this issue and be like, look, I know I'm not getting pulled over for the same shit that you are. Um, But I'm willing to fight for you because I think it's total bullshit that you were. Slash, I'm so sorry, Sally. This is just a rough day for me. That's okay. Um, You get it out. Okay. You get it out. You do whatever you have to do, okay? I want to be your human stress ball on the other end of a phone. I'm your stress ball. You get it all out. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, that's 
Yeah, that's the, that's the the hiccup. It's that you know all these people are talking about like the other, the criminal, the person who can't be redeemed, and I'm sitting here saying, you just didn't get caught doing whatever whatever it was that you did, and also like I don't think that um, that we're oh gosh, Brian Stevenson has this really great line about. Um, how we're we're not as bad as the worst thing we've ever done. And yeah. I take that to mean that there's nothing in this world that you can do in which you can't be redeemed yeah. for. I think that's a really beautiful thought. Right? Yeah. And isn't that what, like, isn't that like the, isn't that like the core message of so many, like, you know, when you look at the positive sides of religion, isn't so much of Christianity, mm-hmm. forgiveness, turn the other cheek. Move on. Yeah. Hate the sin, love yeah. the sinner. It's crazy. Right. But I know and, it, it's, it's so, yeah. even, even, oh. even outside of like the, your world, like just to like connect with it on my end, like you saying like you have to look people in the eye and say yeah. like, I know you're dealing with some shit I'll never have to deal with. Like you're getting pulled over for stuff that I wouldn't get pulled over for. And people think that's not real. There's people who think that's not real in life. But even mm-hmm. on my life, I just was asked to get, you know, I do all this stuff, especially with the, with the one man show I did. It's all about mental health and, a friend of mine asked me to give a talk at this. At, she works at a public library in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. It's a city that has some some rough edges, and cool. yeah. And she wanted to, me to talk to some kids about mental health stuff, and I was I was very flattered to do it. And I went in, felt like such a putz. So about halfway through my talk, I was like, mm-hmm. "These kids, I'm sitting here telling these kids what I did, and I grew up about 20 minutes from here, and my life could not have been more different as far as." some of the advantages I had and disadvantages I had, like I'm sitting here trying to inspire these kids saying like at a certain point in my life, I just like set some money aside and said, man, like I'm just going to really go for it. And they're all looking at me like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we can't set money aside. End of story. Like 14 year old kids, like the looking at me and honestly, I saw them rolling their eyes and I I felt like, I was like, oh yeah. I'm talking about like, oh yeah, just set a couple thousand dollars aside when you get older, like save up and then give yourself a safety net. And and it's like, no, we, we literally hang out in the library because we don't have families. Like some of these kids are yeah. on their own and they're 14 years old and I'm sitting here rambling about set some money aside. It's just a different life. I grew up in a suburb. They grew up in a city. I look different than they do. Life's a little easier for me. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. Yeah, but I think that you got to give yourself some credit because you're willing to have the conversation. And my guess is that you didn't just ramble about putting money aside. You were also talking about real things that you've experienced and like the strategies that you've used and the people that you reached out to, which, yes, some of those people may have been your family, but some of those people could be like random people that you you just happen to be connected with. And if those kids can find those people too, or like realize that if they're going through some really shitty times and like are trying to figure out like what depression or anxiety or like all of these real stressors that these kids are dealing with, then if they hear only part of what you're saying and use some of that too, that's just as helpful. Even, even though they're not able to maybe put money aside, they're able to do other things to help them tangibly. Well, I did get a chance to tell him about Melissa Blevins, who taught drama in my high school, was the one teacher who was ever nice to me. And I told him how if you can find one adult that really has your back, it goes mm. a long way. Melissa Blevins, still teaching yeah. in New Jersey, changed my life. Shout out. Big time. Nice. Yeah. And what's your life? And they li- can all identify with that. 
I hope so. I think so. Who knows? I want to know a little bit about your life outside of when you're trying to do your best to get on the ground and change the world in a grassroots way. This is an amazing, beautiful thing you do. What's the rest of your life like, though? Uh, well, um, I'm trying to get it together. Um, I have been very privileged in the sense of um, I grew up pretty middle class, but I've definitely experienced a lot of um, just uh, negative things that have happened in my family life. Um, when uh, I was a freshman in college, my dad called me and told me that he had had two strokes. He lived across the country from me, has always kind of lived across the country from me. My parents split when I was young, um, which was weird because he was no longer able to walk um, or like talk in, in what people would call a normal fashion. I can still understand what he's saying. It just takes him a little while to do it. Um, he is no longer independent, which is a really big thing for him. And my, I'm not a psychologist in any way, but if I was to guess, he has been going through depression ever since then, um, which is difficult to deal with as far as like being the daughter of somebody and trying to help, help them be better or like have a mind state that's, um, more positive instead of just always negative or like having this martyr syndrome ish situation. Yeah. Um, which has been difficult. Um, you know, what's really then, fascinating about that. If I may. Yeah, go for it. I asked you about what your life was like and you immediately talked about again, trying to help mm. someone else, <laughs> someone who's more in your personal uh, life than the random people who come across your desk via the files that build those relationships. You're always thinking about others, huh? But you you taking mm-hmm. care you taking care of yourself in a real way? I'm put the screws to you a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean I hmm. That's oh, oof. Gethard, yeah, Gethard I, got um, you. Gethard got you right there. <laughs> yeah. He he Gethard did. Got you. He did. Um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy being with friends and like trying to make, make space and make time. Um, to like hang out at the end of the week or like go grab lunch in the middle of the week to just like catch up with people. Um, I love to travel and like see, um, see folk. I have several different things scheduled for the month of, um, May to like go and do and just like take off and breathe, um, see some shows and, see some like people that I have missed in my life. Um, I have recently chosen slash I haven't really dated a lot. Um, It's mostly, I think mm, you're going to tell me it's because I like taking care of other people. I'm just going to anticipate, but I think like the fear of um, being vulnerable and not being able to be independent has definitely um, taken made me afraid. And I have recently decided that being afraid of something is not a good enough reason to not do it. Um, so I have recently met this character actually fun fact. Well, no, I'm not going to tell you. Um, no, scratch that. Um, so I, I recently met the this, fun fact? this fun character. I thought I was going to get a fun fact. No, be- no, because, it's, like three no or because four fun it's, re- it's like, uh, actually re- like revealing. Yeah. No, I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy in any way, but 
did have to <laughs> did have to point out that you really blue balled me on that fun fact. Oh, I wanted a fun fact. You can't say fun fact and then not give a guy a fun fact. That's. I'd rather not know there ever was a fun fact than know there was a fun fact that I don't get to know. You know what I think are some fun facts? Uh, are the facts about the various products and services that uh, happen via our advertisers. Um, so check these things out, and we'll be right back with more phone call. Attention, fans of John Gabris. I count myself among fans of John Gabris. I've known Gabris many years. I, 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 I substitute taught Gabris's level two improv classes. That's how long I've known John Gabris, okay? These Earwolf fans who think I'm some emo dope who can never make a joke. I've been around once coached. Team Gabris was on for a year. The legendary Fwan watched Gabris do an improv scene where he licked Ellie Kemper's teeth. Feel free to ask him about it, but leave her alone. She's a dignified person, not like Gabris. He's an animal. His premium podcast, The Layman, is back for its second season on Stitcher Premium. He loves science. John does. Everybody knows that, but also finds it pretty hard to grasp. Not surprising. In the layman, he goes to the experts, doctors, exploring the frontiers of the mind, outer space, and beyond. Asks them to break it down in terms we can all understand. Hear John Gamber's chat with molecular scientists, stem cell researchers, many more in five whole new episodes of The Layman. Gabris is a great guy, one of the funniest people in the game. I have had a lot of love for him since I met him way over 10 years ago. And uh, to learn more about The Layman, hear episode one, go to stitcherpremium.com slash layman. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N, stitcherpremium.com slash layman. Thanks again so much to all of our sponsors. Now, let's finish off this phone call. But did have to, <laughs> did have to point out that you really blue-balled me on that fun fact. I know, I know I'm so sorry. Um, it's okay. But... You don't get all the fun I, facts all the time. Not all the time. Um, but yeah, so I've enjoyed like getting to know um, this guy and we're going to go have dinner. And I was excited because um, I actually get to leave early instead of being in trial. Um, so I get to spend more time with him tonight. Nice. So like that's kind of taking care of myself for me, which is a weird space to be and like trying to gauge how selfish I can be with like exploring that new relationship. That's cool. Is it is it tough to yeah. is it tough to build a new relationship when you're someone who I mean you started that that chunk by going like I have scheduled some time for myself in May to have a few days. <laughs> like is it tough to start dating <laughs> when you're like so I have to schedule my free time 6 weeks out. Um I hope that that's amenable to you. Yeah, especially since he like has um identified himself as definitely a planner, um which is cool. Uh, except I definitely have a lifestyle that's more like flexible. Like I'm just going to get on a plane and go here. Or like I have free time this afternoon. And so I'm going to go do this instead of necessarily having everything scheduled except for like vacations and stuff. They definitely have to be scheduled much further in advance. Yeah. Um, I, this brings up something yeah. that I want to ask about. This is a rumor I've heard. I wonder if you would know if it's true. And I'm not, I don't know if you're a part of this. I've heard that because the being a lawyer can be such a grind, especially when you're in public practice, whether that's public defender, mm -hmm. prosecutor, whenever you're in that, not, not, you know, private practice where things can probably be a little bit more self-determined. I have heard that mm -hmm. lawyers party hard, true or false. True. This and I want to be clear. I mentioned True. that I have a friend who's a public defender. This is not something I heard from him, but I've heard through the grapevine that like some of yeah. the lawyers who are like the day to day lawyers, like they'll do like a mountain of cocaine if they can find it. I've heard that. Yep. 
Re- cocaine is like huge oh, yeah, in the, in that world, huh? Yeah. Damn. Lawyers are breaking the law yeah. all the time, huh? Mm, which is the most ironic part. Because, so there's like, I don't know how they do it elsewhere, but I would imagine it's similar. But there's this huge party that happens once a year where I practice. Whoa. And I'm liking um, this story. I'm going to like this one. I could tell you already. So there's one huge <laughs> party where you work. Once a year, they have a huge party. Okay. Well, it's not where I work necessarily. Like the management is like, ooh, maybe don't do that. We don't. Like our our office doesn't um, promote it, nor do they organize it. But it's like Ooh. a group of attorneys, mostly defense attorneys, um, who like throw this huge party. There's like a there's a lot there's a lot of um, uh, music, like live music, a lot of drinks, um, just like fancy. Like you've got to be dressed to the nines, um, and it happens once a year. And when I worked in the office that I'm working now as a law clerk, when I was in um, law school, I was invited to this party. I did not attend. So everything I'm saying is hearsay. (laughs) However, I was told and recommended to leave said party by 7 p.m. Because it gets so nuts. Because by 7 p.m. is, yes. And like people are doing um, cocaine in the back, like around the corner in the like attic not in the attic, in the alley rather. Um, and just like crazy things going down. And like the worst part about it is that especially the, the defense attorneys at that party, like they're the ones who are representing people who are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, if nothing, if anything speaks to the inequality of, uh, of the class mm-hmm. divide, it's the fact yeah. that the lawyers representing people for drug offenses freely feel a lot of freedom to do drugs. <laughs> time so you're saying you're saying public hookup if you need it oh jesus i can imagine i can just imagine (laughs) so public defenders they throw parties that are like parties from 80s movies yeah where it's like everybody like Mm -hmm. like people getting naked and jumping in a pool and like a guy in a chicken costume doing the chicken dance and every and then everybody like beats the shit out of him and hangs him from his underwear by in a tree branch Yeah, I haven't seen the chicken, but I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, also, it totally makes sense as far as like work hard, play hard, like trying to relax. I mean, one of the first things that you see when you go into any law school, if you go into like their um, what is it called, like student affairs or equivalent office, there are handouts about like where the nearest AA meetings are because. Wow. The profession is just so racked with, um, yeah, with just abuse, like substance, substance abuse in general. Well, I'd have to imagine like you're working long hours. It cuts you off from having a social mm-hmm. life. All the other people you're with are also in the same loop of life you are. It gets very depressing. You're seeing a lot of, I mean, there are, I would have to imagine there's times where you're defending people where you're like, oh, this person actually did some horrific stuff, but I've got to step up and do my duty as a defender. There's the other heartbreaking thing where you're like, this is a person who is a really good person just trying to get back to their family. And I feel responsible that I can't figure out how to get them out of this cycle that just won't let that happen. And you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. And so there's a lot of people who maybe work stressful professions where they could go have a drink at the end of a night. Um, but then the hours are so long mm-hmm. that it's like, well, I've been working on these three trials and it's taken the last two months and I've got two months worth of aggression to get out and partying to get out. And it, I would imagine it just makes everything so extreme that when it's time to let loose, it must get out of control fast. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think it's hilarious that you think we prep a trial in two months. <laughs> but how many I, uh, how many months does it take to prep a trial? Yeah, that's like days situation that Day- you're talking. Days. If it's like a big trial, like felony trials and stuff, people prep more. But like for the trial that I had set today, like I was prepared and we were ready to go and it was going to be fine. And like we had, we had like some kind of defense, but I prepped it for, well, four or five days. I've had the client for several months, but like real prep four or five days. Yeah. This guy you met. And how'd you again, meet the, how'd you meet the guy? How'd you meet that guy? How do you even meet somebody when you work um, this schedule you're working? Yeah, I met him online and it's actually, I feel like kind of a win because he is not a lawyer. Yeah. Most, uh, most lawyers date other lawyers. I would imagine. Cause that's the only other people <laughs> get the schedule, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, understand that we laugh at really terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, the comedian, I mean, if there's anybody who's laughing harder at dark stuff than lawyers, I would bet comedians, we are a ruth- ruthless people. Um, so we, we can have a contest about that if you want. Yeah. You think you're, you think you're going to be, a, you want to stick with the public defense for a long time? Yeah. I cannot see myself practicing or doing like any other type of litigation at all. I think oftentimes about like if I would ever cross to a prosecutor slash they make a shit ton more money than, than I do. So I don't live in a price parity state, but it would take the supervisor giving me discretion. So the power in the criminal justice system lies with the prosecutor. They decide how to charge you. They decide um, in what order they will charge you. And that essentially can determine your fate and you know, they also determine like what the, what the offers are and like whether or not they're going to give you more like treatment or more programming instead of jail time. But a lot of the times what happens is we think, oh, prosecutors have all this discretion. It's great. They only like put people in jail who are terrible people. And that's true. Some places that's true in places where um, the supervisors are great here where I practice, that's not the case. And they like talk about all their discretion, but they don't use it. So as long as I'm litigating, I'll do public defense unless I can find a supervising like district attorney who will let me do more of what I want to do. But I can like I can see me leaving to do like policy, like criminal justice policy work for like a government agency or like a a non governmental organization to like try and influence how we do things. Like you should wind up at the ACLU someday, right? That would be. You sound like a right. Um, that would be fun. I I did a little bit of um, work with the ACLU um, when I was in law school, <clears throat> not like employed by them, but like working with them in order to like change certain laws, which was really fun. And they have a lot of money. Also, they have a shit ton of more money now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Donate, donations rolling in. Donations rolling in the past yeah. uh, seven, eight months for sure. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody mad about that. So now they have a lot more freedom to choose where they're going to go and help. Now, what what happens, honestly, let's say someone comes along and says to you, hey, I, I work for a company. I work for a firm. We've observed your style in court. We heard that you were good. We came. We checked you out. We really like the cut of your jib. You have a certain, uh, you seem very smart. You have a je ne sais quoi that we really support. We want to bring you into a private practice. You're going to be defending some uh, corporations the morality of those corporations is questionable, but you're going to make $10 million a year. Fuck no, I'm not doing that. $10 million a year? 
Because those conversations no, no, happen sometimes, no. right? They they do, they do. Wow. Um, I I I can't I can't because essentially what's going to happen is those two corporations that are fighting, everyone in that situation is going to walk out just as rich as they were because the corporation's the one who's going to take the hit, not any of the people. Yeah. And like the shareholders may take the hit, um, but none of the people actually involved. But and. You- you can and honestly say I'm you not personally able to have like a client relationship with them. Wow, I've sold out for like six hundred bucks. Have you heard some of the ads I've done on this <laughs> podcast? Have you heard some of these ads that I've done? Yeah, pay me like eight hundred bucks. I'm like, ah, I'm renovating my house. I guess I can get the uh, maybe I can get the marble and if I in. talk about this. <laughs> They're gonna yeah. kill me. Midroll. I'm gonna get an email from Midroll. Gretchen Baker. Get an email from Gretchen Baker. <laughs> I've sold out for. Oh yeah, sell out. No, I try not to sell out. I try to maintain some sense of decency and morality with it. But we live in a capitalist society. We do. We 100 percent do. But I think, like, you know, it's it's important to stick to what like makes me happy because I can do this job and like sometimes the really shitty hours and like the crappy pay because. I love it. Like I love my clients and I love being able to look them in the eye or stand with them when they're being like sentenced to something and say like, I at least tried to give you a voice. Um, and the worst part about it is that some of my clients are like, um, when are you going to go and like, you know, get, be a real lawyer or like, you know, when are you going to go and, um, like make more money? They're like, well, you're, you're good. Like, why don't, why don't you just leave and, and, you know, get paying clients. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I am a real lawyer. First of all, first of all, this plaque on my office wall tells me that I'm certified, but, but, uh, yeah. So like I try and take it as good person as well as you can, but fighting the right fights. Well, you seem uniquely in a position where you might be able to actually help listeners listening. If someone finds themselves tangled up in the law, from the very beginning, mm. like early process, whatever it is, they've either done something or they've been accused of doing something. How do you behave? What do you do? Like, what do you do to make as few mm. mistakes as possible? Uh, well, first, this is not legal advice. None of you are my clients. Hell yeah. Um, nice. Oh, that's a thing. You're not um, a lawyer right now and I'm not a therapist. <laughs> Let's just all pretend those things are true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I'm a lawyer, just not your lawyer. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so always talk with a lawyer before you do anything, before you talk with the police. Let me tell you the number of like statements that I get from clients who just like, we're trying to help the police. The police are not trying to help you ever, ever. They're not trying to help you. Um, like that's how you have to think about it because they're going to use any statement. They literally, you know, everyone knows what Miranda said. They're literally going to use it against you. Um, and, like, don't give them anything unless they have to work for it. So, for example, if you get pulled over for speeding and they stop and they're like, oh, you know why you why I was pulled, why I pulled you over? And you're like, oh, yeah, I was going 100 in a 50-mile-an-hour place. No! Actually, officer, I have no idea why you pulled me over. Can you please tell me? Because as soon as you say so, you've admitted. Literally yeah. say nothing. And call an attorney. And if you cannot afford an attorney, that is perfectly acceptable. Just know that you're going to spend some time in jail before that attorney can get to you. So you're saying even upon being pulled over, keep your yap shut. What's the earliest that it's appropriate for me to ask for a lawyer? 
as well, <laughs> if you're pulled over for speeding, um, I mean, you're welcome to have an attorney, but just this, like, okay, if I pull you over, yo, Chris, you know why I pulled you over? No, ma'am, I don't. No, why I don't. don't you fill me in? I'm keeping my app shut. You got something to say exactly. to me, 5 You got something to say to me, 5 You say it. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, okay, can you step out of the car? Why? Am I under arrest? No. You're Okay, then am I free to leave? No. Okay, well, then am I under arrest? Because one of those two things is true. Either you're free to leave or you're under arrest. Um, and the courts can sparse out, like, some differences, but... Um, never have, never allow them. Oh, I got, I have a great story for you. Never allow them to search your car. For example, we, <laughs> we had an experience where there was a guy who got pulled over. Um, officers asked to search his car. He said, yeah, sure. What else? Um, people, police are searching the car. They don't really find anything. Um, and then he's like, kind of looking antsy, walks over to the officer and he's like, uh, Hey, I got something to tell you. Yeah, what's what's going on, man? Um, there's a person in my trunk. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. That person is alive. That person is just hiding because that person has a warrant. Well, likely the police officers weren't gonna allow weren't gonna be allowed to search the trunk unless he consented to it. So don't ever consent to any searches. Don't tell them anything that that um, you don't have to. Just let them let them do their job. So if you're harboring a criminal in your trunk, let them find that out for themselves. <laughs> Yes, a fugitive, not a criminal. He okay. was, it was all alleged. At An that alleged, time. right? Okay, okay. My bad. Yeah, always. That's my favorite word. Alleged. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, I need to like have it written someplace across my window. So you're. It sounds like yeah. the central core advice you can give any of us out there is: if you find yourself on the wrong side of the law in any way, your instinct needs to be to protect yourself. Yeah. And not help anybody else. Yes, and if an officer says, well, only guilty people get lawyers, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. That may or may not be true. That officer just is telling you anything he can, and he can lie to you. He can lie to you. Legally, it is okay for officers to lie to you if you're in interrogation to make you think that you're in more trouble, to make you think that the consequences will be higher, to think that they have evidence that they just don't have. So they can straight up say to you, hey, we... We we arrested a person who says they sold you two pounds of weed, and yep. that person can just be a figment that they made up. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they're not trying to help you. Yeah. And are but aren't they going to? You know, I've been pulled over a bunch of times. When I was a kid, I drove like a maniac, um, and I always tried to be polite and helpful because I always had a great fear of coming off antagonistic. Like, am I going to set a cop off? Cops have a very uh, short fuse. And you can mm-hmm. smell that mm-hmm. from the outset of these conversations. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do it in a respectful way. Like, no, officer, I don't know why you pulled me over. Like, can you tell me? Like, yeah. you know, be be respectful about it, but also, like, there's no, you don't have to give them anything that, that you don't want. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I hope when that day comes. But again, this is not legal advice for anybody. I, I only have a certain number of clients. Yeah, for sure. No, I get it. I will say on my end, I know you said you're not in New York, but if I, I will say if I ever come on the wrong side of the law, I hope I wind up with a defender like you because you seem like you really care. Thanks. People I, who care I, are in short I'm, supply these days. Mm, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. you have anything fun planned this, the rest of this week? 
This week, let's see. I got uh, on Saturday uh, my my HBO special is premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival, and I'm freaking out. Congrats! That's legit. Thanks. I mean, as far as living, someone who's living a very public ego driven life, I'm doing good. <laughs> Uh, talking to you makes me, you know, I'd like to convince myself that through my work, I do a little bit of good for the world. But at the end of the day, uh, I think that's true. Well, at this end of the day, I'm still in the entertainment industry in New York, living an easy life. And I have to remind myself to enjoy that and not get caught up and convince myself there's bigger problems with that than there are. I want to be grateful for the things I have, not not scared of them or freaked out by them. That's me. Sure. That's what I got. Well, let me tell you, when I walk home or when I like walk to work and I'm listening to Beautiful Anonymous, I laugh out loud and people look at me like I'm crazy, but it helps me uh, either decompress or like get excited for <laughs> for whatever I've got planned. So you're doing good. That means a lot to me. I, I honestly good. can say that that means a lot, that if there are if there are people who are doing more than I am to help the world and I can be the court jester that helps them blow off some steam, that, that to me is... Uh, a, a, a very good reason to do what I do. So thanks for letting me know that. And we've got a, we've just got a little bit of time left. I don't know if there's any last minute messages you want to get out there about you, your life, what you do, who you are, mm. but our time is coming to a close. Um, I really like ostriches. That is a fun fact that I'll leave you with. What? That's the... <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> they're awesome. They are incredibly stupid creatures, but they're like hilarious. Also, they're really strong. So if you stand next to one of them and they kick you in the head, you could die. They're like aggressive dinosaurs. They're like evil, mean, aggressive <laughs> dinosaurs. But what? they're so adorable and they run funny. Everything about this call just changed in my mind. The last 60 minutes have now been totally changed. You like ostriches? <laughs> I don't trust you anymore. I trusted you more than any other caller ever. And now I don't trust you at all. <laughs> no. I can't I can't let you let uh, all your trust go. No, they're good, I promise. I've like held a little baby ostrich. Thank you so much, caller, for letting us know about the legal system, although I do have to say that your public endorsement of ostriches was concerning at best, uh, troublesome to its core. And it makes me question everything. It makes me wonder if any of the prior hour we talked was even true, because you sounded like such a good person, and ostriches are so scary, I don't get why you were into them. Uh, but thank you for calling, and thank you sincerely for everything you do, all jokes aside. It's very, very cool. It makes me feel good about the world, hearing that you're in there with your mindset. Thank you to everybody who listens to this show. You're the reason it happens, it keeps going, keeps building, and it's so cool of you to do that. And thanks to the people here on the ground who are making this show happen. Beyond the scenes, Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth today helping get me through this thing. Reverend John DeLore, Greta Cohen set the show up in its early days. Shell Shag does all the music throughout. Support Shell Shag, they're incredible artists. You want to know about me, where I'm getting out on the road and stuff? ChrisGeth.com. Check it out. And if you like this show, one very easy thing you can do to support it, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Genuinely, that helps so much more than, than most things. And it's an easy thing that'll take you 30 seconds. So thanks so much for doing that. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with more Beautiful Anonymous. Today's show was sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. A Talkspace therapist can help put you on the path to a happier life. Big fan of therapy here. No stigmas on my end. 
thumbs up to therapy. You want a special offer? Great. We got a special offer for our listeners. You visit Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Again, that is Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, I think any old fan of the show is going to be as surprised as I was. Wait, I recognize... Do I recognize this voice? Wait, remind me which call you were. Whoa! Wow! I can tell you, I had a feeling. I knew I recognized your voice, and I knew it was a while ago. I would say, this is amazing, because I want to be clear, this is not a setup. We did not... You did not leave a voicemail. You got through randomly again, which is astounding. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Today's show was sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. A Talkspace therapist can help put you on the path to a happier life. Big fan of therapy here. No stigmas on my end. Thumbs up to therapy. You want a special offer? Great. We got a special offer for our listeners. You visit Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Again, that is Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Hey, do you like movies? Ben Affleck's performance in this movie will outlive us all. Do you like arguing? I'm going to say that you're insane. Do you like movies and then arguing about them with like people or strangers on the internet or Twitter or whatever? Never ending story goes in the canon over Ghostbusters. Yeah, are you serious? I no mean, way! I am Amy Nicholson, and I am the host of the show The Canon, where every week we debate whether or not a film deserves to be anointed into the canon of all-time classic flicks. It is a masterpiece unto itself. If you want to weigh in, listen to the show. See you there. You don't get any better! This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.